Well, love and greetings this afternoon to you, each of you, in Jesus' name. It's been a blessing to hear you sing for a little bit. I came in at the last part of that. And songs have a way of moving people, often that even preaching or other types of sharing won't do. So, sing. And you were. A few weeks ago... I pulled up in a truck to a parking lot. It was a big box truck and it was full of supplies. Had bottles of water, bags of rice, cans of tuna, uh, little cans of beans, uh, some little chocolate bars, and all kinds of stuff loaded up in the back of this big box truck. Not only were all there were there all those supplies, there were also people in the back of this truck. And I was driving the truck and I had a director, someone who was, was telling me where to go, riding with me in the cab. And I pulled up into a parking lot and we stopped and opened the doors. Within a few moments, we had chaos. People came running from all over. I saw people running down the road even as they saw the truck pull up into this parking lot. People came grappling toward the doors and people inside were fumbling and trying to figure out what to do next. And it wasn't long until the, one of the men in charge said, close the doors and let's pull out. We're going to have to try this again. Now this was a parking lot in Haiti shortly after the earthquake, about one week after the earthquake. We had taken the truck over into the Dominican Republic and loaded up a bunch of food supplies that were, were donated by World Vision who didn't have a way to, on the ground to get that stuff uh, out into the community. And we thought we had some ways to get it out there. And so we took off and, and headed right on into Port-au-Prince, right into a parking lot. But there was chaos. We tried it again, pulled off for about five minutes and thought, okay, we'll try this again. This time, some men, and, and there was actually one policeman along in the crowd, and they said, we'll, we'll get a piece of rope and we'll kind of hold things back a little bit, and then we'll try this again. So they did. I pulled back up, we parked, some men got out, kind of had a piece of rope, and were trying to, to make a barrier and see if they could bring some order to this hungry mob of people, and it... It worked for a few minutes, and then before long it was chaotic again. And my instructions were, pull out. We're going to have to go somewhere else. We tried a couple other spots, and finally we went to yet another place. And before we ever pulled back into the compound where we were going to go try and distribute food, some of the men who were in charge, I was just the driver, they began to get their heads together and said, let's try something different. Let's see if we can go in ahead of time and, and bring a little organization to this thing. We'll communicate with some people in the area where we're going. We'll get a plan. We'll have some order. And so they did that. We just sat in the truck for 10 or 15 minutes while they went off in the area where we were going. And they communicated with some of the people in the area. And they said, listen, we've got food. We've got supplies, but we aren't even going to come in here unless we can distribute them in an orderly fashion. And so, let's talk about it. What would work? And they got their heads together. And there was a, a local man there, a Haitian man, who agreed to take leadership. And I think he was a long ways from a Christian. He looked like a rapper to me with a sock and cap back and just a whole demeanor. But I'll tell you, that man was a leader. He was a good leader. And he said, I'll take leadership. And he had apparently the respect of his people. And they worked it out. And he said, here's what you'll do. And he talked it over with our folks. So we pulled the truck in. We opened the doors. The crowd formed an orderly line about 50 feet back from the back of the truck. And this man, the man who looked like a rapper, he stood out in the gap in between. And he directed traffic. He would point to that one. You can come next. He was speaking in Creole. I couldn't understand it, but I could see what was happening. I was just the driver. And sure enough, one would walk up to the truck. They would be handed a bag of food and water. And
and it worked. People got fed. Some of the the older ladies and things that couldn't press their way through the crowd like had happened at the former site, now it was an orderly line. It was it was possible to get the food distributed in a way that was a blessing to everyone. And before we had seen evidence where maybe some people were trying to get more than their share and the, the whole thing was chaotic. Well, today I want to talk to you about a gift. Remember yesterday we had a gift up on the board. It was a present and we talked about your gift to God as you make a present of your body as a living sacrifice to God. A gift. A present. Now today, I want to talk to you about one of God's gifts to you. God's gift of leadership. That's the title of the message this afternoon. God's gift of leadership. My commission this week, as I mentioned yesterday, is to bring out practical, biblical character qualities of youth with purpose. Who remembers the Greek word for purpose in the Bible? Anyone remember that word? Laura. Prothesis. That's right. Not prosthesis. Prothesis. It means a setting forth. And, and you as young people with purpose in your life, youth with prothesis, are willing to set forth clearly your intentions to walk with God. You want everything God has to offer. You want all the blessings, all the gifts, all the benefits, all the opportunities, all the support that this Bible has for you. Today I'm going to talk about one of those this afternoon. It's kind of a touchy one. But this gift is God's gift of leadership. I'd like to start with just a few general thoughts on authority. Then I'd like to focus in on three areas of authority that often affect young people like like you folks. Not the only areas, but those three areas are parental authority, civil authority, and spiritual authority. I'd like to focus in on those for a few moments. Finally, I'd like to conclude and and give just eight useful insights or principles that, that pertain to or regard this subject of authority. This message isn't a whole perspective of the subject of authority. There are lots of instructions given to authorities. That's not the focus today. Today the the focus is on what God says about authority, some things, and how does it apply to me? And, And can I look at it as one of God's gifts to me? Leaders in my life. Authorities in my life. Yesterday I said that the first time I saw someone yawn, we would sing a verse. I haven't seen anyone yawn yet. You might have. You might have stifled them. And that's okay. That's a response God's given to our body. It's kind of a little wake-up call for me when I get a yawn. Literally, it's a wake-up call. It means uh, it's time to wiggle, stretch, get out of mint, adjust my position, take a deep breath, do something to be alert. And so... I may be watching for that again. I'd like to actually sing more of that song. But right now, before we pray, could we all stand together? Let's sing the same verse we sang yesterday. As we thought about the attributes of God and the holiness of God. Holy and reverend is the name of our eternal King. I'd like to add the second verse to that. Which is, with sacred awe, pronounce His name, whom words nor thoughts can reach. A contrite heart shall please Him more than noblest forms of speech. So let's sing those two verses today. Ready? Mm-hmm. Holy and reverend. 
think of this as you sing it with sacred awe. Pronounce His name. With sacred awe. Acknowledge this afternoon that except you meet with us, this time will be in vain. Lord, we're asking that you would help us to have contrite hearts, open hearts, humble hearts, submitted hearts. Father, we're here in the name of Jesus, reminded again of your promise that if we will ask anything in his name, according to Your will, that You will hear. So Lord, we ask that You will give us a message this afternoon that will be profitable. Father, I pray for a clear mind and for a right spirit and for a loyalty to Your Word. I pray that You would give each of these young men and young women the heart of the Berean brethren that they would receive the Word with all readiness of mind and search the Scriptures daily to see whether these things be so. And may Your name be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, Amen. may be seated. I'll acknowledge this message has been a little challenging for me to put together and to wrap up. I I tend to type when I'm thinking of thoughts. I'll just type or handwrite out miscellaneous thoughts as they come and maybe get several pages of thoughts and scriptures and, and, and observations and experiences and insights and promptings of the Holy Spirit and then later come back and try to organize those and put them into some some logical fashion or way that that it couldn't be presented understandably. I appreciated that verse this morning, Brother Kirk, that the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That was a word of encouragement even to me and we can look to Him for that. And many times we feel our weakness, but let's look together at this subject and see if God can open up at least some insights in your life that would be a blessing in this area of God's gift of leadership. And if there's anything I hope I can do this afternoon, it's to convince you that God's heart for you in leadership is to give it to you as a gracious gift, not as curse and bondage in your life. That's my prayer. To begin, I'd like to consider as we think about just a few general thoughts on authority, let's think for a moment about a scripture that I know is familiar to you, the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to quote, if I can, some of the first few verses and I want you to think for a moment about what I would call God's very basic government order. 1 Corinthians 11 starts out like this. The Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. But, the Apostle says, I would have you know. There's something I want you to know. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. That to me speaks of God's very basic government order. It's commanded in the Bible. And it doesn't cover every aspect of authority that God reveals to us in His Word. 
but it's a foundation, a very basic understanding that's necessary for the the proper uh, working together of humanity. Another thing I'd like you to remember is that all proper authority is of God. All proper authority is of God. To support that, I want to remind you of the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. And I'm planning to go there after a while, but for now, just remember that Romans 13 says this, There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. The Word of God this afternoon tells us that. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I think that passage is primarily referencing civil authorities, but I still think there's a general principle that there's no power but of God. All proper authority is of God. I also want to point out here in the onset that God gives the gift of authority and leadership in our lives for several reasons. I don't know that I have them all necessarily, but I would like to suggest at least four reasons right now that God gives the gift of leadership in our lives. One of those reasons is protection. God gives leadership in our lives for our protection. And I have tried in my mind to think of of different ways to illustrate that. And I haven't been able to improve upon a way that is certainly not original with me. I've seen it and heard it many times. And I think the original place I saw that was this was in some of uh, Bill Gothard's literature years ago. But he described authority as an umbrella. Whatever area of authority that is in your life... And, Probably shouldn't spend too much time on the umbrella here. As I draw it up here, though, you can picture the umbrella. And the blessing of being under authority is your life. It's a wavy board here. And, And when the storms and the rains and the hail and everything comes down, if you are under what God has ordained as authority, there's protection there. There's protection there. But when when we get out from under that, there's some pretty big hailstones out there that can tend to bang us up quite a bit. And so God's gift to you of leadership and authority in your life is, first of all, for your protection. There's other ways we could think of that. I think about children. I think about... uh, well, so many areas. You could think about it, a child, that a parent, uh, a little child, tells and teaches with their authority, don't touch that stove. If you touch that stove, it's going to hurt. That's not in the parent's interest to lord it over the child. It's for the child's protection. Because the parent knows that the child is going to get a blister. That's an obvious but a simple and a rather clear illustration on the protection God intends from authority. God also ordains authority for direction. Protection and direction. Leadership can give direction. And we'll see in the Word of God many times how God used leaders to give direction. I I just want you to think about that. I don't really want to spend a lot of time... Uh, trying to explain how all that is, but I think it's obvious. When we had that, that Haitian man, when we, we worked together with him and we said, we need some leadership, we need someone who can work with the people and who the people will trust to give some direction, then things operated well. Authority is also ordained for direction. And I'd like to suggest, and these are all related, that authority is also God's gift to us and leadership is given to us for efficiency. It's efficient to have someone lead out. It's more efficient 
when we sang together, to have Brother Anthony stand up before you and give a little direction. Say, okay, let's start here. Here's the note that let's all sing together. It works well. It's more efficient and it's more effective when there's some leadership and some direction given. And closely related to this is God gives us the gift of leadership and authority for order. Order. To keep things flowing in a a logical and a a, a reasonable sequence. And he has his order in all of that. And I know those are related, almost hardly seem distinct one from the other. I would like to also say here in the onset that as followers of the Lord Jesus, our first, our highest, and our ultimate authority is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. In the fifth chapter of St. John, Jesus said this, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son. Did you hear that? That makes me sit up and take notice. God, the Father, the omnipotent, eternal One in the heavens says that I have committed all judgment to My Son. Jesus told us that. The Father judges no man, but He's committed all judgment to the Son. He goes on and says in John 5 that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent Him. The book of Colossians also tells us this, that God has made Him, that is Christ Jesus, He has made Him head over all things to the church. That is our ultimate authority and leadership this afternoon. Brothers and sisters, is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And even as He is one with the Father, He has the authority of God the Father. And Jesus said Himself, He that honors Me is honoring the authority of My Father also. I would like to also say along with that that Jesus Himself said that after I'm gone, it's expedient for you that I'm going to go away because if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But when He has come, He will teach you all things and and so forth. It's a critical part of the leadership of the church of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit which Jesus promised would come and He did come. He had been promised. It was the promise of the Father, He said. Going clear back. And you you can read of that in, in the book of Joel. It shall come to pass, saith God, in the last days that I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. The Holy Spirit. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the book of Acts. As the church began, they would say things like this. The Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit directed this. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Things like that that we read in the book of Acts. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, that's God's divine authority. And that's, I want to make that absolutely clear. That our highest authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as He operates today in the church through the power of His Spirit. Now, In addition to that, God has given us the gifts of men as leaders in our lives. Every one of us. Remember the centurion man? Does anyone remember what the centurion said when he appealed to Jesus? He made a comment about authority. Anyone remember? Pete. That's right. I also am a man under authority. One of the Gospels says, I'm a man set under authority. This man was over a hundred soldiers. He had authority. But he recognized he was also under authority. And every one of us, I don't care where we're at here today, we're under authority. I want to take just a quick highlight of the trail of leadership in the history of the Bible. You think about it. 
And I'm not going to necessarily get them all, but think about Noah. God gave Noah some leadership. He said, Noah, I want you to prepare an ark to the saving of your house. And Hebrews says he did that, moved with fear, fear of a holy God, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Think about Abraham. God made Abraham a leader. He said, Abraham in Genesis 12, get thee up out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And Abraham became a leader. And he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And he became a leader. We know how that even one example was when, uh, when Lot, I believe, was, was plundered and, and, and captured and, and, uh, Abraham got 300 of his soldiers and he went down and, in the, the place of the slime pits, and he captured back all the supplies and all the people and saved them alive. Abraham was a leader. Moses was a great leader of God. God took this man who didn't even think he could speak, this man who left everything. He thought he was rejected and he went to the backside of the desert for 40 years and God made him a leader. He led over a million people out of Egypt into the promised land. God used the priesthood. He gave the law. He, he gave Joshua after Moses as a leader. Then he went into, we went into the time of the judges where God raised up judges for leadership. After that was the kings. You can read about it in Kings and Chronicles how God raised up kings to lead His people. We have various other leaders and reformers that we read about in the Old Testament. I'm thinking about God's gift of leadership. Think of the gift to God's people when God raised up a man like Nehemiah or Ezra or Zerubbabel. These men who after the captivity had a vision, had a passion to lead people back and rebuild. Praise God for men with the leadership to go and rebuild. Think about the prophets. Then moving on into what we call the New Testament. Think of John the Baptist. This man who went out into the wilderness and he had disciples and, and he took a stand and he became a leader. After him was Jesus Himself. Jesus, the leader in the flesh. After Jesus went back, He left the apostles as leaders. Those that were His special messengers. Then we have the Apostle Paul who was called as one born out of due time. Called by God to be a leader. After that, we have Paul ordaining elders and deacons in the church, leaders. And of course, always, all of this under the direction of Jesus, the head of the church. So let's think for a little bit. I won't go into these. I want to get down to the three areas of leadership and authority that I'd like to highlight this afternoon. I don't know about anyone else, but it seems just a little warm in here to me. Maybe that's just because I'm working. If anyone would feel to, to offer a little fresh air, I don't want anyone to get cold. But uh, a window would be nice. Um, think about these areas of leadership that the Bible speaks about. And some of them we've mentioned already, but the Bible would tell us that about the leadership or the authority arrangement between God and Christ. Also, the Bible would... Speak to us about God and the angels. Psalm 103.20. Let's have that race that Leslie instituted a while ago. Who can turn to Psalm 103 and read verse 20? One verse. Abigail, thank you. Go ahead. Yes, I think I have the right one. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Thank you. Exactly the verse I wanted. Ye His angels, that excel in strength. These are strong angels hearkening unto the voice of His Word. Angels, they're under the leadership and authority of God. Another area of authority is Christ and His church. We've referred to that. Another area of authority we've spoke about is the man and his wife. Another area of authority that is distinct from that is man and woman in general. Not necessarily just husband and wife, but man and woman. 1 Corinthians speaks of that in several different places. Another area is parents and children. Another area the Bible tells us about is masters and servants. Another area the Bible uh, refers to is older and younger. Another area the Bible tells us about is 
an assembly of believers and an individual believer. Another area the Bible speaks to us about is an assembly of believers and those that are called overseers. All these are areas and perspectives that the Bible gives to us. And if there's anything again I want to remind you today is that God's heart for you in this is to give you a good gift that will be practical, that will be a blessing for you and not a curse. So let's focus in on these three areas of God's authority that maybe perhaps are especially challenging to youth. The first one is parental authority. Parental authority. And remember, this is Bible school, so we're going to look at some scriptures. Not nearly all of them, but I just want to highlight for you these thoughts. Matthew 15, verse 4. It's referring to an Old Testament passage. It says this, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. God had a very strict penalty for authority of parents in the Old Testament, in the law, in the Torah. God said that if anyone will not will curse their father or their mother, they must die. That's a serious thing. And Matthew 15.4 quotes that. And Jesus is actually explaining there how that through traditions and through their innovations, they were actually bypassing God's original intent that one would care, especially for elderly parents. And you can look at it in the book of Mark where, where they could say it is Corbin by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me or it is a gift. And, and I don't really have time to explain that, but it's a way that, that young that, that people were bypassing their responsibility to take care of their aged parents. And Jesus reminded them of that Scripture. Okay, Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3. How many of you were taught to memorize this as a child? Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Good. Let's say it together right now. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you can look at that in the Ten Commandments that God gave through Moses in the Old Testament, and sure enough, it has that promise. That you may live long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that it may be well with thee. That was God's heart in teaching children to honor their parents. Another One I'll highlight quickly is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. And it just simply says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. I did want to mention, I, I like this, I mention it every time I refer to this scripture. Going back to Ephesians 6, where it says, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. My dad used to say this, and... Uh, I think it was a true point. He said, notice, it doesn't say, for they are right. It says, for this is right. And he made this point, your parents may not always be right. But it is right to obey and honor them in the Lord. So obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Even if they aren't always right in your opinion. Parental authority. Once again, authority is protection. The wood stove, the road out in front of the house, whatever other danger there might be. Parental authority God has given as a gift to children for their protection, for their blessing, for their direction, for their efficiency, and for their order. I'd like to remind you, you have to really watch the time, to remind you quickly of a, a young man who wouldn't receive direction from his parents. And he was a special child, a special boy that God had had intended to use in His kingdom. And God did use him. But oh, what heartache and suffering this boy went through. In fact, his parents, when he was conceived or expected to be born, they were actually visited by an angel. 
and, and they were so concerned, they, they asked the angel, how shall we order this child? How shall we teach this child? This boy's name was Samson. We don't have time to go through all the story of Samson. We know he was a big, strong man. And he was God's child, one of God's judges that he intended to use for a very special purpose. But we fast forward a few years in Samson's life. Somehow he had trouble receiving the gift of the blessing of his parents' authority. And he saw a girl that he wanted. He knew he wanted her. And she was not what his parents thought would be a blessing in his life. And they pled with him. They said, is there not a girl among God's people? But Samson's word prevailed. And here were his words. You look them up. He said, get her for me. She pleases me well. Get her for me. She pleases me well. What is there, young man or young lady, in your life that your parents might be cautioning you about in the Lord? as God's gift to you, but you say, get it for me, because it pleases me well. I want it anyway. It pleases me well. It was Samson's devastation. He thought he had to have this girl. And he went and got her, all right. But it was the beginning of a chain of disaster in Samson's life. Respect for parental authority. It's a secret to God's grace and blessing upon your life. I hope you'll get that. It is a secret revealed in the Scripture to God's grace and blessing upon your life. You should crave the blessing and protection of godly parental authority. And I noticed that most of you, as you shared... Mentors in your life. You spoke of parents. Praise God for that. Now, I want to make another point before we go on. I know that there are exceptions in life. Maybe in some of your lives here. Jesus said, There is a time when if a man or a woman will not leave father and mother and regard them Lest, the King James actually uses the word hate, if any man will hate not his father and mother and brother and sister and yea, in his own life also, he can't even be my disciple. That word hate means to love them less in, in comparison to the Lord. I know that there's a time where when God calls, we must obey. And I know that for some, that means To follow Christ means to reject the blessing of their parents. That doesn't discount the scriptural principles of honoring your parents. But I do want to acknowledge that. And I have known those in my life who God would not bless them to follow Christ. Or their parents wouldn't bless them to follow Christ. And they had to choose. I also know that there are times even when it isn't quite that bad, but where parental relationships can be very difficult. Where it can be even confusing how the Lord would really want me to respond in this situation. I don't have time to cover all of those, nor could I. I just want to say this. Recognize that God says, I bless a heart that, is, that honors their father and their mother. And if you have in your life a very difficult, confusing situation, get some help. Get some counsel. Get some direction. Don't leave here without talking to someone about that. I want to move on to civil authority. The second area of authority I want to speak about rather briefly. Turn with me to the 13th chapter of Romans. We quoted from that earlier, but I'd like you to turn with me now. Again, this is Bible school. We want to know not what someone's opinion is, but what the Word of God actually has to say. What the Word of God actually has to say. Civil authority. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Let's see. 
Caleb, would you mind reading those verses, please? Would you mind standing and just reading Romans, Romans 13, 1 to 7? Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but God. Powers of be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. But rulers are not compared to good, good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have the praise of the thing. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this may ye tribute also, there ye are ministered, attending continually upon this very thing. Whether therefore we all are due, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Thank you. You did a good job. You gave the sense, like we heard this morning. So civil authority, the Bible says clearly here in this passage in Romans, you take a look at it, He is the minister of God. Have you ever thought about a policeman being a minister of God? That's what the Bible says. A policeman, the local judge in the courthouse, minister of God. The building inspector on the job you're working on, minister of God. In my business, the Department of Ag Inspector to make sure if we have on our glasses and our gloves and are following the label directions for the herbicides. Minister of God. An electrical inspector. The Internal Revenue Service as we pay our taxes. Our governors, congressmen, the President of the United States. Ministers of God, Romans 13 tells us. God, and, and it's part of what we talked about yesterday in the onset, for many scriptures to make sense to us, for many practical, biblical character qualities for youth with purpose to make sense in the Bible, we have to understand the calling out of the kingdom. See ourselves as soldiers of Jesus Christ, but recognize that God did or ordain civil government, and we are a separate, special kingdom called out, but nevertheless, Jesus made it clear when Peter had the little discussion about paying taxes, paying tribute, Jesus said, lest we should offend them, you go and you, you go fishing, Peter, and you, the first fish that comes up, you take money out of his mouth and you go pay the temple tax for me and thee. Pay tribute. Later we heard about Caesar. Jesus said, they, people asked, should we pay tribute or not? And Jesus said, take a look at the coin. I have a coin in my pocket, but he said, whose image is on here? They said, Caesar's. He said, okay, render that to Caesar. That's part of his kingdom. You pay the taxes. You enjoy the benefits of society. You pay those taxes. But render unto God the things that are God's. The minister of God. That's the point. Civil authorities are the ministers of God. Render, this passage in Romans says, give them their dues, the things they ask for. Tribute. That's money. Taxes. Fees. Honor. That's respect. You listen. You cooperate. Fear. That's even a deeper level of, of respect. That's a yes, sir. Fear to whom fear. And the Bible here says he bears not the sword in vain. He's the minister of God, a avenger to execute wrath. He bears not the sword in vain. That minister doesn't have a pistol on his side in vain. That guard doesn't... Hold his gun in vain. That judge doesn't pronounce his sentences in vain. He has the authority to put you in jail. He has the authority to take away your license. He bears not the sword in vain. God gave him that authority. He may not handle it all right. We can be very grateful. Having traveled just a little in, in the world, we can be very grateful for the society we live in. There are some that are really corrupt. And while we may not think it's always fair, let's recognize He's the minister of God. He bears not the sword in vain. I just want to leave this. Remember, if you are having issues in your life, struggling 
with civil authority in any area, policeman, the judge, the inspector, whatever it is, governmental authority on any level, you really have no leg to stand on. You're rebelling against God. And your only option is to repent. It's the only option. It's not to rebel. It's not to resist. It's not to connive. It's to repent. It's God's authority and it's part of our testimony as called out kingdom Christians. The last area we want to look at is spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. Make a couple of comments here. Over the last 18 years since Melanie and I have lived in Washington, we have had a, a quite a few young men and young women through our home. Different times we had young people, we'd have crowds through our home and we enjoy that very much. We still like to do that. Come on over. Through these years and, and even years prior, before moving to Washington, we've had at least ten different young people that stayed with us excuse me, for a more extended periods of time. Some of them for years. Some of them for a few weeks. For a number of years of our lives, the Lord only gave us two children. We're very grateful for both of them. He's already multiplying that and giving them children. And we're enjoying that. But God gave us others in our life and in our home that have been a great blessing and a learning experience for us as well. I also want to say that in my work, in our occupation over the past years, especially more so some years back, I was involved in hiring and supervising probably at least 20 different young men that would come to work where uh, I was a part of the, the business there and And so through those years, I I think I counted up a while back, at least 20 different young men that we had some involvement in hiring and supervising and observing, being involved in their life for at least a while. Out of these experiences, as well as the observations and experiences of my wife and I in our own youth, and watching the results of the choices of friends and acquaintances, we have really gained some personal observation and testimony to, to, what, to, the, to the blessing of what the Bible teaches. And, and I would like to go into that more, but I, I just won't have time to go as far as I would like. I would like to say, though, that as I look at some of the young people that have lived in our home, I I have seen some wonderful examples of respect for authority. And you know, as I look at the young people that we've hired or worked with throughout the last years, I've seen a variation. I've seen a variation. I can think of one young person who, you know, our work involvement would go farther than just work involvement. It would often result in a friendship or a relationship. In fact, I can think of several that would fit this category. Um... I can think of youth that would, would ask questions and, and want some input on difficulties in their life. And, and so you would try to give some and offer some insight. And they would weep and, and cry and, and, and acknowledge their needs and, and wrestle and struggle with all that. And sometimes turn right around and do the very opposite thing. And for some reason I observed that Authority had been poisoned in their life. For some reason, they, they couldn't handle authority. Now, I've seen also those who had had authority poisoned in their life through wrong use of authority who actually were ready to respond and excited about being blessed by proper biblical leadership. God's gift to them. And oh, what a blessing it's been in their life. I hardly know how to to share this, but I'm just going to to go ahead and and be this personal. 
Um, one brother that lived in our, in our home was Brother Anthony. Lived there for almost a year. My nephew Anthony. And, and I, I'm going to mention Anthony. And I'm going to mention Brother Pete. And other brothers of their peers that aren't necessarily here right now. I have noticed these young men, and I call them young, they're not so young anymore, they're getting older, but I've noticed this for several years, and my wife has talked about it, and I'm going to highlight them, not to lift them up, but for a lesson to you. These men were visionary. They had ideas at times, especially in the past, that would startle me. I was a little worried where we'd go with that, and I thought it was great, but boy, how's this going to work? But you know what? God gave these men a respect for authority, for older men in their lives. And I have seen how that has blessed. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here together today. Somehow God gave those men, along with their passion and their vision, God bless you brothers, I appreciate it so much, that He gave them a desire to draw on the experience of older men, men older than me as well, and to work together and not just go out there and bull ahead with every vision. They were willing to hear a little word of caution. I just want you to know that that example, I think, God will use powerfully and He is already using now. I hope you can get that. It's interesting. These points are a little abstract. They're not real orderly. I acknowledge that. But Melanie and I have noticed something too. We'll go to events somewhere. Certainly not here. I want to make that very clear. Not even a remote thought of, of that here. In this, But we've noticed maybe at, at large church events or youth events or things where you travel somewhere or maybe a family would travel somewhere. And how quickly rebels find each other. Have you ever noticed that? People that kind of have the same in their heart. It, it is amazing. They've never met. Their paths have never crossed. Within about a day, a lot of times less than that, a couple hours, they've teamed right up. They've teamed right up. Why is that? There's kind of this power and camaraderie and in opposition to God's gift of leadership. Maybe it wasn't done right in their lives. But it's something to, uh, that I offer you as a caution. I wrote a letter to a young man one time. This young man had called me up and he was interested in seeking my daughter's hand in marriage. In building a relationship with the goal of marriage. I wrote a letter to that young man and... I gave him a list of various things that I had observed. And one of those, I wrote it down here again, it was on that letter. I handed it to him right before a communion service where we crossed paths and he said he struggled to get much out of that communion service. I think he went out and read it maybe. Um, But I said, one of the things I have observed, my wife and I, is that God's blessing seems to rest upon young men And I had a number of things, maybe 10 or 11 things, but one of them was a willing and cheerful resolve to live under God's protection of authority, including parents, church leaders, employers, and civil government. And I will say, he has been a good example of that. He is now the husband of my daughter and the father of Grandchildren. And he's been a good example of that, and I thank God for that. Well, I just want to comment again on, on uh, this. I realize time is kind of getting away, but just picture a mountain here for a minute. I want to talk about the blessing of experience. What really is this thing of experience here? Yes, but we've got experience. Those that are older have experience. They may not have uh, all the current uh, understanding of the way things are today, but they've got experience. Well, what is that? What value is experience? 
And that's what some of these men that I appreciate, that I see God moving so strongly today in their lives, I believe have captured and even craved is the experience of older people. And I like to picture experience as a mountain. Climbing a mountain, and think of it this way. When, if you're young and you're climbing the mountain and you're, you're right here on the first plateau, you see some things. You have a vantage point of what's down below. You can see. You can see out. And the things you see are accurate. You know what you see. You see what you see. They're right. You do see. You can see some things from there. And, but you know what's interesting? As someone who's, so to speak, climbed the mountain a little longer, they're up just a little higher. And I know that there are, it's, it's reason of use. There are exceptions. There are old people that have zero insight in the Word of God. I know that. But I'm talking about men of God and the overall the value of experience. Someone who's a few years down the road, you know, they see some things too. They can see everything you do. But you know what? They're, they see a little more. They just see a little broader picture. They can see some paths down there that from your vantage point you haven't been able to see. It's not that you're not seeing right. It's just that you aren't seeing as much. And someone who's lived a few more years, like Brother Roman or Brother Leslie or Brother Kurt, somewhere in here, <laughs> they can see more than I can see because they've been, they, there's just a few years on up the mountain. They can see the things I can see, but they can also see just a little more. They've got a little wider view because they've seen life a little longer. And so it isn't that what you're saying is all wrong. It's just that you need the experience of those who can see more. See a little wider screen. Does that make sense? Can you follow what I'm talking about? Um, I'd love to illustrate that further. We work in the mountains a lot and do do spray work. And sometimes from a a high ridge, you can see roads and trails. We've actually had the experience before of having one truck up on a ridge and another down lower. And with radio or cell phone, have the one up on the ridge give directions to the one down lower because he can see the roads and see how they're going. And that person down there has all good intentions. They just can't see. But from up there, he can say, hey, I can tell you where that road goes. Don't take that one. Take this one. That's the blessing of experience. That's God's heart for you as a gift. Where are we at, brother? <laughs> get down there. Okay. Bible school. Let's get some scriptures real quick. What God has to say about spiritual authority. What does the Bible say? I've noticed we're in an interesting time, and I've been there. I want you to know there are times I have been frustrated beyond words with authority. And, and I don't know where any of you are at. What your experiences have been. That affects how we look at this thing. But I've also had many good experiences with authority and was blessed with godly parents and, and, and really thank God for that. But let's think about, we're thinking about spiritual authority here. I'm thinking specifically, I'm going to fast forward in the church of Jesus Christ in 2010. What does God intend? Can't be very thorough on that, but just notice this. God did intend that there would be leaders chosen. Acts 6, verse 3. There was a problem in the new church there at Jerusalem. The Grecian widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. They brought this problem to the apostles who were already acting as leaders. What was the direction? Brethren, look you out among you. Seven men of honest report, full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, whom we may appoint over this business. We want... To put some men in charge. There's thousands of people that we need to help make sure the widows get fed, they get their meals. Uh, they didn't say, hey, if anyone notices a widow, would you take her a meal? There's a place for that. No, they said, Let's, this is important. You look seven men out and we're going to put them over this business. An example of New Testament leadership in Acts 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church... And had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. They're passing through, organizing and ordaining, organizing New Testament churches. And the apostles said they had ordained elders in every church. Isn't just a, an old traditional idea. 1 Timothy 3, 1-5. This is a true saying. The man desire the office of a bishop. That word bishop is presbytero. It's the same word that elder is translated from where we get the word presbytery. 
excuse me, or Presbyterian. It means an overseer. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And then it gives qualifications. A bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, all those things, uh, having his children in subjection and so forth. It goes on to say, if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Rule, there's that word. This man should have known how to rule his own house so that he can have a rule over the church of God. This is a biblical gift that God has given. And it is the word uh, Titus speaks about for this cause left I thee in Crete. Paul said to Titus that thou madest set in order things that are wanting here on the little island of Crete and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Then he goes on in Titus and gives them qualifications also for those elders. God's will for the church is that there will be Elders and also deacons. There are a number of scriptures there. I don't know if I had those all written down properly. First Timothy 3 goes on into those. I just didn't get reading all of that uh, about deacons. And uh, Acts 6 there that speaks about those men that were chosen, that were full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. They were very similar to what it describes as deacons there. So notice that, that there, it... Elders are not just older men. I've heard that thought thrown around of late that maybe elders were just older men who were just kind of recognized. No, the Bible says ordain them. That means choose them. Uh, In fact, Timothy speaks and says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Not a novice, not a, a, a man without some experience should be ordained to be an elder. Uh, I'd like to give some of the cautions. I know Jesus said, you know, when, when the disciples were kind of jostling for authority among themselves, Jesus said, you know that the, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship and authority over each other, but that's not the way I want it to be among you. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Does that discount the call in Acts and, and in Timothy and in Titus and in other places that there would be elders and deacons? No, not at all. But he's saying you don't have an attitude of lording it over each other. And once again, we're not talking to that. There's plenty to say to the leadership. I'm just pointing out to you God's gift of leadership. Uh, I'd like to say more about that. I I just am going to have to bypass some of my notes there. Just remember also Hebrews 13.7. Very clear scripture. Remember them which what? Have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Oh, that's a blessing. God means it as a gift, not as a curse. Again, in 17th verse of 13, Obey them that, what again? Have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Bible school, consider God's gift. Of leaders. Now, I had eight points. Now, I, I hardly see how I'm going to get through them. I'm going to just start in and, and you tell me. You give me the five. If, is it already five? Probably three, two, one. Okay, one. I'm going to give you the headings. And I just will not have the liberty to, to talk about them. Eight points. Number one. Godly leaders are a real blessing. I'd like to document that, but I can't take the time. Number two, the human will. Our greatest challenge. Number three, know them which labor among you. Number four, respect is a huge life Issue. I'm going to run back over these one more time if you don't get them all quite down. Number five, Satan is the father of rebellion. Number six, learn to bless your authorities. Number seven, beware of false authorities. Number eight, learn the blessing of entreating authority. Entreating or appealing to authority. Go over them one more time. 
Number one, godly leaders are a real blessing. Number two, the human will, our biggest challenge. Number three, know them which labor among you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5. Number four, respect a huge life issue. Number five, Satan is the father of rebellion. Number six, learn to bless your authorities. Number seven, beware of false authorities. Number eight, learn the blessing of entreating authority. May God bless you as you are an army of called out kingdom of heaven soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's honor Him. Let's honor Him by cooperating, contributing, blessing, praying for, supporting, and submitting to loving leadership that God has given you as a gift in your lives. May God bless you.